and welcome to another episode of Interactive Control, the place to get all your burning industrial control questions answered. I'm your host, Michelle Rosinski. Today my guest is Craig Resnick, Vice President of the ARC Advisory Group. Craig is the primary analyst for many of ARC's automation and financial services clients. His coverage includes digitalization, industrial IoT, I4.0, enterprise integration, industry best practices, and operational excellence. His focus areas include digital transformation, automation platforms, edge, OTIT convergence, production management, and HMI SCADA software solutions. Craig's prior experience includes sales, marketing, product development, and project management in the industrial market, gained with major suppliers of PLCs, process control systems, power transmission equipment, and field devices. Craig holds a BS in electrical engineering and an MBA from Northeastern University. Today, Craig is going to talk to us about how data analytics and other recent technology trends are impacting industrial control applications. Let's listen in on our discussion. Hi, Craig. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks so much, Michelle, for having me. Yeah. It's so great to have someone from ARC on our episode today. So I guess I want to start out by asking if you could talk a little bit about your role and your past experience and how that's led to your knowledge of our topic of data analytics in industrial control applications. Okay, well, uh, thanks thanks again, Michelle, for having me. Uh, I've been with the ARC Advisory Group for about uh, 21 years, so an, an awful long time. Uh, I typically cover the uh, automation space, so I certainly deal with a lot of the major suppliers of automation systems. I also work uh, with many of ARC's customers that utilize these automation systems and uh, also work also with the uh, with the financial community as well that are interested in the uh, in the, some of the market trends of uh, of the automation system providers so uh, working with those companies you can imagine we're we're spending a lot of time uh, questioning uh, about the their solutions on data analytics industrial control applications uh, from a background perspective, I started uh, way back in the 1980s with uh, in the process control world, and uh, then I uh, with a with a major major supplier of process control systems that we we all know, and I moved in in the 90s. I was with a major supplier of uh, PLCs uh, that I think we're also very very familiar with as well. So having uh, product management roles and uh, project management roles, so. I've uh, certainly spent um, a lot of time in plants and actually in my role with ARC, uh, I'm certainly also visiting uh, quite a few facilities that are using uh, process control systems, uh, DCS systems, and certainly applying uh, data analytics uh, to a lot of those applications. Wow, yeah, that's quite a list of experience. so we're very lucky to have you giving us some of your time to talk about this today uh, with all of that background. So just to jump in here, can you give an explanation of maybe what the different kinds of data analytics, because there's so many different ways that we can define or talk about data analytics. So to kind of set the tone, you know, how would you define data analytics and maybe some of the different types of analytics yeah. that you've seen being used 
in conjunction with industrial control applications. Okay. Um, I think at ARC, we probably look at it as to, as to three different buckets, shall we say. Um, the first one might be the area of performance. Uh, which is really when you're when you're saying to yourself in a process, you know, what what is happening, you know, what has happened, and and why. So you know, think about it. You know, you're in a you're in a you're doing chemical processing. You've uh, you've run the appropriate you've you, you've done the appropriate batching and and mixing and blending or refining, and now you're saying uh, you're looking at the end product and you're trying to figure out uh, you know did it did it come out as uh, as specified or or not, and if it if it did, great, and if not. You know why did it not? So, you know, many cases we get involved with analytics that are that are looking at those parameters and uh, making sure that the uh, appropriate the process has been run appropriately. And if it hasn't, uh, what needs to be done going forward to make sure that the, the future batches uh, run correctly? So that involves a lot of descriptive and diagnostic uh, tools. You know, it does a lot of focus on things like uh, current and, and past performance. And uh, you certainly part of, uh, you know, performance analytics involves uh, data discovery tools. You know, if you want to move a little forward and then you say what's kind of the next level, the next bucket we would call would be is predictive analytics. That, that's really a matter of uh, what's likely to happen. You know, it could be based on structured or unstructured data. Sometimes you're applying things like big data, you know, uh, you know, data scientists, machine learning and business rules and may involve different toolkits and and you know when you're thinking about predictive analytics you might be doing let's say you're doing an application let's say like um the corrosion management where you want to be able to be able to predict is there going to be any sort of a corrosion issue in any of the in, in pipelines and what you're doing is you're basing it on past experience you're basing it on a combination of the analytics is looking at the age of the equipment it's looking at the the uh, the what, what chemicals or what have you are being are being run are being run in that process um you know historically what has happened uh you know when when corrosion has happened you know based on timelines or based on the amount of process hours so a lot of that has happened so you're you're actually get you to the point where you're now able to predict when you're going to be having uh, corrosion problems and now be able to make the necessary decisions maybe when you're going to have a plan shutdown or a maintenance shutdown or when you can go ahead and make the necessary repairs so you're not involved with an unscheduled downtime which obviously is the uh, the biggest sin as you certainly know in any in any manufacturing application is uh, you want to avoid unscheduled downtime at all costs so that's predictive now what you do is the next level of analytics would be on the prescriptive side, which is kind of, you know, what what to do, uh, you know, which is obviously based on a lot of the same knowledge base that predictive analytics is based on. And it, except what it does is it adds in some different uh, options and implications that you would that you would plan towards. Um, you know, because it, it really helps to be, you know, further optimize a lot of the automation of the decision making process. And, you know, an, an example of that uh, might be, uh, let's say, for example, you were going through, in, in, let's say, let's pick a refining uh, as an application you know, or a cat cracker, where what you're doing is not only are you trying to plan uh, what you in anticipate is, is going is going to happen, 
But let's say, for example, you detect that there's a, a, a problem in a particular catcracker and uh, you need to be able to now reschedule your manufacturing, your refining process. What you may do is you may divert product uh, to another catcracker, for example. You may change the production schedule as a result. Uh, you may, if, 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 for example, there's an equipment problem or a problem with an asset that's causing an issue with a catcracker, you may be in a situation where you can schedule the maintenance uh, to come in. So not only are you, are you now predicting what's going to happen in the future, but you're now able to make feed-forward decisions regarding manufacturing so you can now divert product or divert production schedule uh, around that problem. So, so if you look at the three buckets of performance, predictive, and prescriptive, one is, uh, is kind of analyzing what happened, uh, that's performance, and, and optimizing that process. Predictive enables you to be able to, to, to figure out based on prior history what's going to happen and certainly be able to plan uh, for a problem when it does, you know, before it occurs and avoid unscheduled downtime. And prescriptive allows you to try to take the best of predictive, but enable you to make the best business decision going forward. Again, how you can uh, best meet your production schedule and how to redeploy your manufacturing assets to, to achieve that goal. So could you talk a little bit about COVID obviously has impacted so many things, including industrial control and, and how the different um, you know, processes perform, supply chains, so many different ways. Uh, could you talk a bit about how COVID has maybe impacted data analytics or other related technology trends um, with industrial control applications? Well, I'll tell you, um, the one thing that, that COVID has done is it has, it has greatly accelerated the whole digital transformation you know, process. I mean, companies that at one time were just contemplating, you know, where do they begin the digital transformation journey, all of a sudden got a, got a, got a rough dose of reality when, when, when COVID hit and really move them to think in terms of, you know, kind of the kind of new modes of operation. And, you know, thanks to things like analytics and digitalization and emergence of, say, you know, open process automation standards, uh, uh, ITOT convergence, you know, manufacturers were able to apply a lot of those technologies and move from, you know, I would say an, an on-site model to a remote operations model. And, and, and what I mean by that is, there's a time in most plants, uh, whether it be due to um, control issues or security issues, that in many cases you could not monitor or make decisions out, outside of the control room, for example, in, in, in major process applications. And now when people were forced to, to work at home or plants that were allowed to remain open but with uh, strict social spacing, uh, policies where you'd have to spread the workers out throughout the plant that that were there. Uh, you no longer did you, you you know put a lot of people in the control room sitting in front of the console and and get all the information at your you know at your disposal and be able to make all the right decisions. You were making those decisions either from home or some companies were using remote knowledge centers. You know monitoring you know multiple control rooms or even you know multiple plants. So you really had to totally reinvent the way that you were bringing that information to, say, the uh, control room operators. 
and giving them the power that at one time they may not have had to be able to make control decisions from outside of the of the control room. So, you know, it, it really, you know, talk about a disruptive technology. I mean, it really upended the way a lot of companies uh, do things, but you couldn't have the decision making. You couldn't have the ability to make those decisions remotely if you didn't have the appropriate data analytics that kind of brought out that additional dimension of information uh, to you. So this really enabled, you know, all the workers to kind of continue making these uh, value added, you know, decisions and value added tasks, improve reliability and, you know, predictability of the plant, but be able to do that from whatever location they were capable of, uh, of working in. And this has made a, a tremendous change. And, with, and what's really interesting here is as we talk to companies, as we're beginning to kind of approach, uh, you know, hopefully the end of the pandemic and hopefully say by the fall, maybe a, a herd immunity. So we're talking to these companies and saying, are you planning on going back to the old way? And what we find is we're getting kind of a hybrid response, which is, well, there are some, there are certainly some processes we definitely want to be, do all the monitoring and control uh, again within the plant. But we might have more of a hybrid model where maybe some of these applications can be done from remote locations or from remote knowledge centers. So it's it's really interesting how COVID will have a lasting after effect on these on these processes and and has really accelerated uh, both the digital transformation of these processes and certainly the whole area of the use of data analytics, you know, as an additional uh, knowledge management tool. Uh, to to monitor and control these processes. Yes, acceleration, yeah. I think, is one of the key impacts that COVID has had uh, around data analytics and some of these other, you know, technology trends that you mentioned. So along those lines, right, I think there is this, this potential move to having more autonomous operations in the future. Uh, sooner rather than later, especially with this acceleration. So do you have any advice for operators, engineers, maintenance personnel that might be looking to prepare for the future with these new technologies, especially, you know, the impact of autonomous operations? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, you know, at ARC, we spend quite a bit of time, you know, writing about, blogging about uh, new technologies, uh, creating white papers, uh, doing, uh, you know, doing podcasts such as these. And I would really suggest that anybody is certainly it is that is certainly working uh, in process plants or manufacturing plants. That, they, that some of the things they focus on is certainly they want to learn all about um, analytics. And just as we talked uh, today about the three categories of analytics, they, we, it's certainly something that they need to learn about. I think they need to learn about the role of artificial intelligence. And a lot of times when people will say, well, where do I even start? Well, most in, in, in certainly almost every process plant, you know, you've been you've been, you know, storing historian data you know, for many, many years. And it's really that data is going to be the foundation for artificial intelligence in the future, because essentially what a lot of these analytics packages do is they go into that historian database and you got, you know, often terabytes of data and you're going through that. And based on all that history is how you're really 
doing a lot of the artificial intelligence and, and, and machine learning in the future, because it's really just a matter of what happened in the past and how do I make the best decision going forward, you know, based on uh, past scenarios. So certainly to learn about artificial intelligence and machine learning and analytics and, and looking at and using the historian as, as, as that foundation, uh, because that's really what is going to help create the autonomous operations uh, you know, of, of tomorrow is if you don't have that, that history, you really can't make these decisions going forward. And, you know, a lot of times people get nervous and say, well, what's my role in the plant? If for some reason these systems are making all the decisions for me, and uh, then then where, where where is my role? And yes. I'll, I'll tell yes. you, in some case, right? In some cases, it's actually going to elevate the need for for process engineers because because now they're going to be able to get when these when these decisions are being made, you're going to be have access to a much higher level of of, of data and information. And what this is going to do is it's really going to put give you far greater decision making power overall because now you are really going to be tasked with how do I increase the productivity of my plant, the profitability of my plant. And, and certainly in a lot of hybrid applications, let's say in food and beverage and pharmaceutical, how am I going to increase the OEE or overall equipment effectiveness of my plant? So instead of just making you know, decisions based on looking at pressures and levels and temperatures and flows, you're going to be making decisions on a lot of the analytic, the data that's come through the analytics. You know, how can I optimize my production? How can I, you know, you know, catch a downtime before it occurs? How do I make sure my supply chain has a necessarily necessary real time and visibility that I can make fast supply chain decisions if for some reason I find that a portion of my supply chain is constrained because of geographic issues or um, or uh, geopolitical issues or whatever may occur that would or climate uh, issues that might take a you know take a plant out unfortunately so this is a case where the 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 level of knowledge and decision making that's going to be required from the operators is going to increase and I, and all i could say is that your your value will actually never be greater because you're going to get to the point where you're making the decisions that even through having the the best analytic tools and having the best uh, tools for artificial intelligence and machine learning and autonomous operations but you still need the human factor because you're going to have a much higher level of information presented to you and that's going to require you to make decisions that are going to have a far greater effect on both the top line and the bottom line for your company and really raise your value uh, as an employee higher than it's ever been yeah, I'm so glad yeah. you brought up that point of, you know, the potential concern uh, that's out there around data analytics and autonomous operations and it, you know, uh, affecting the job security of the people that are running the plants today. And, you know, I think you make such a good point that the, those jobs aren't going away and really the scope of what's expected of those roles is actually going to increase, right? You'll you'll have to be aware of the different types of 
data analytics, not at the algorithm level of how they're calculated, but understanding the outputs, understanding where, you know, the limits of what data analytics can and can't do, where there, you know, may be um, something you want to go double check, and then, you know, what to do about the information that you're getting because of the data analytics. So, and I, I love your point too, that ARC is a great resource. I myself have um, read several articles and white papers from ARC, and it has helped me quite a bit to stay up with the trends. So that is a great suggestion for anybody that's, you know, thinking about the future and what their job might look like, how they can prepare for that. We're talking a lot about data analytics, but another big trend right now, and I think with COVID, there's been some acceleration with this as well, is around augmented reality and virtual reality. So could you talk a bit about what, what you at ARC have seen happening um, with those technologies in the industrial uh, control space as well? That's a great question because if, if you if you look at ARC's uh, market research and you know, we write quite a bit of studies, so we're you are always doing you know uh, how fast the market is growing and growth rates and looking at you know five year uh, cagers. Uh, probably the some of the fastest growing technologies in the space are augmented reality and uh, and to maybe a little lesser extent virtual reality. What augmented reality does is it kind of connects you know virtual design to the physical equipment for operations and maintenance. It's it's used in wearables in the plant. You know it supplements uh, HMI solutions from remote work locations. It it's really like adding a a third dimension to HMI. I mean, a lot of times when when you know people will use it in so, sometimes in some in some applications on their um, you know from their from their phone, for example, and uh, they may use it for some you know some fun applications where you're actually you know putting a template over you know looking at a real a picture of reality. And so think of this in the plant. Now you're looking at a process, and now you're getting all this additional information supplemented. Uh, over the picture of reality. So you're kind of doing a, a mixture of uh, of what's actually there and supplementing information on top of that. So now all of a sudden you're at home and you're um, say staring at a staring at a tank within the plant and not only are you getting you know the level of the tank, the, the temperature of the fluid in the tank, let's say or the the you know the, the the pressure of the fluid filling the tank or or flow rates of the fluid that you'd find on a normal HMI, but you're now able to get that at, at greater data that's supplemented as you're staring at the tank because that information is now being applied so that you're visual. So you're it, it's almost like having your own you know three dimensional HMI that gives you a perspective of in, of, of data that's presented to you. So you can make the best possible uh, decision. And for people who are in the plant and using, let's say, like a, uh, you know, like a, like, like a wearable device, or whether it be a Google Glass or a, a real wear helmet, for example, you're now able to walk the factory floor, walk the plant floor and have that information. Sometimes it's based on your GPS position. Uh, within the plant. Sometimes it's based on staring at a, a QR code that's on the asset itself. But now all this information is being supplemented uh, to your visualization. 
Now think about this from a maintenance person. So now all of a sudden, not only do they know what's, what they're staring at, uh, but they're also getting safety parameters, for example. They're knowing, for example, am I now in a hazardous location, either because of uh, you know chemical exposure or because of uh, high voltage, for example. So it may give me the instructions to how to avoid any sort of a safety issue. And if I do need to go into sort of a area where I need to cut power or, or go to an e-stop or uh, um, I'm now, it'll give me those instructions. Um, so think in terms of the fact that it's like having, you know, like, like wherever you walk within the plant or whatever you're looking at at home, you have a combination of the visual and the instruction manual all at your fingertips and the necessary drawings and information. And in many cases, sometimes the step-by-step -step process it takes to make a decision. Uh, so to us, augmented reality may, might be the, uh, you know, the, the one of the one of the greatest technology ads um, right now that we've seen and uh, from looking at the purchase orders that companies are spending on, on augmented reality solutions it seems to uh, it seems to fit the ad agreement a virtual reality a lot of people are very familiar with from gaming you know and uh, although uh, you know you're not going to find too many Fortnite applications when you're uh, walking <laughs> the fashion floor uh, but at the same time if you're used to wearing um, you know certainly a, a headset and you're now immersed into a situation and and think of how well that does from an area of training or or practicing a, a simulation like uh, you know like like you know a, a, a fire or an explosion in a plant. You, you certainly don't, don't want to have to uh, simulate that in real life to practice how to respond mm. to an explosion <laughs> or a fire. But at the same time, it, it, it immerses you in that situation, and you know because it kind of connects you know mechanical, electrical, control software. It helps like with validating and commissioning. I mean. Think of all those factory acceptance tests that you at one time you would have to fly to uh, to your process control supplier to go to the staging area to have um, to go through, and now you can you can sometimes do that through through virtual reality, you know, because you're 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 in that whole immer you're leveraging the immersive technologies, and uh, you know when you think about if there's you know how to how to pilots for years have been have been trained is that they've they, they train in certainly flight simulators and they've they practice engine flameouts and and crash landings and and making sure the scenarios that, that you certainly don't want to have to ever experience but uh in that in those hopefully very infrequent times when there is some a problem in the air but it provides the tr the uh, pilot with the necessary training so they are prepared for any sort of response. So, you know, virtual reality has really come into play as a as a training and simulation tool. And the thing that's interesting about it is as as more millennials and uh, Gen Zers are entering uh, the working in the manufacturing space, as a lot of the uh, baby boomers uh, are retiring, uh, it actually becomes an attraction that the fact that they can use some of the technologies that they're familiar with and that they actually uh, you know in, enjoy on their spare time and can apply it in the real world and uh and for sometimes where augment you know where where careers in manufacturing in the past may not have been as uh, may not have as been as attractive because it's uh maybe a little bit less uh, you don't you feel as though in the past you've been working on older technology and with longer product life cycles 
this is a case that you're able to use some of the, the technology that you enjoy using in your day-to-day -day life and be able to apply that to the, uh, to the plant and factory floor. Yeah, that's really cool, I bet, for a lot of the newer workers, like you're saying, um, and helping them to come up to speed on things that they haven't had experience with directly yet, right? So, mm -hmm. so yeah, the virtual reality is you're immersed, and it's it's good for training and simulation. And then the augmented reality is, you know, you're still looking at the real world, but you have these overlays on top of it. And I can understand how your explanation of a worker in the field, um, you know, with with being able to see real time values uh, for the equipment that they're looking at overlaid and have, you know, that access to reference materials or step by step guides, how powerful that could be um, for, for any worker, but also, you know, especially for newer workers as well. So very, very interesting stuff and certainly you know, not going anywhere anytime soon. This is the the direction that the industry is heading in more and more. Um, so is there anything else that you think is important to discuss around technology trends right now in industrial control? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if there's one phenomenon that's been going on for the last uh, several years is the whole area of convergence. It's really convergence between IT groups and OT, uh, which I would say there's probably no uh, processing plant, uh, manufacturing facility that's not at least going through the beginnings of ITOT convergence. They're, everybody's kind of at different maturity levels, but but that also takes into account, uh, you know, converging the cybersecurity aspects of IT with the cybersecurity aspects of OT. And also the fact that sometimes even different domains, you know, how the well, many times you have maybe a DCS for automation, then you have a DCS for power, for example. And some, some companies have, um, you know, separate, separate domains between the pow power and automation. We're even beginning to see that converge. So, you know, as, as we look forward, uh, there may be a time in the future where the gap between IT and OT or uh, you know, uh, the power and automation, for example, may all come together. Uh, sometimes we even call it technology fusion, that at some point uh, down the road, we, we may not be having to talk about convergence anymore because in some companies, some of these groups may, may become one. And this is a little ways off. And there's some companies that are, again, at different points in that convergence journey, but that's something that may, uh, that we're certainly looking to do down the road. Um, all of a sudden, as a result of the pandemic, the whole term operational resilience uh, came into play. And what that really meant is to make sure that you reduce any sort of supply chain vulnerability and lower safety risks and improve operational performance. Again, a lot of that uh, pandemic driven and making sure you're really optimizing, you know, production throughout the plant life cycle, wherever the worker may be and whatever the situation of the, of the supply chain is. The other thing we're seeing is, you know, far greater use of edge computing platforms, uh, you know, at the site level, you know, for gathering, analyzing, processing, and storing data in, in real time and, you know, close to the point that that data is being gathered. And in many cases, what we find is that it results in hybrid applications where the, you combine that real-time data stored at the edge, and then you're sharing a lot of that data with the cloud, which is 
more often than not data that's more for production management or product uh, things that are maybe not necessarily needed in real time. You know, your historian data may all, is a, is a great place to be in the cloud. Uh, but obviously, if you if you need to gather data in the you know certainly in in a millisecond rate or a second rate as you would let's say in many uh, process control or discrete control applications, you really need to have that uh, data gathering you know at the site have that data analyzed and running some of the analytics that we talked about earlier on site and be able to make those decisions and feed it back into the control system uh, in real time. So, so having a greater use of edge computing is also going to be really, uh, re really growing. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. So in so, summary, I think I heard you mention the ITOT convergence and you know how that uh, also relates to cybersecurity. Also, operational resilience and edge computing. Yes. Did I miss anything in there? Um, no, I think that uh, that 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 sums it up. I would say, you know, in addition to a lot of the technologies that we talked about earlier, certainly regarding you know analytics and and artificial intelligence, machine learning, augmented reality, and virtual reality. I'd say that uh, that's really a pretty good summary as far as, you know, where things are going and the technologies that I think people are going to be working with and, and, and learning, and, and it's going to certainly have a greater effect on everybody's uh, role going forward. Great, great. Yeah, that's great information. So last question. Before we go, can you talk a little bit about ARC, you know, what it is and what its purpose and, and how it can help listeners? Okay, well, thanks very much for that question. Uh, <laughs> ARC has been around since, uh, since, since 1986. Uh, it's a global technology research and advisory firm. Uh, you know, we cover everything from industry and infrastructure, uh, smart cities, smart buildings, you know, and, and, and our clients are, uh, you know, kind of fall into three primary categories. It's certainly the people, um, you know, like the Baker Hughes that uh, certainly are technology providers. Uh, it's, uh, we certainly have many clients that are on the user side of the business that are certainly that, uh, you know, certainly in the oil and gas and chemical, pulp and paper, uh, automotive, food and beverage, a pharmaceutical, water, wastewater industry. So any, uh, those would be many of uh, ARC's uh, us user clients, as well as the OEMs that uh, manufacture, you know, machines. Uh, and then the third kind of client we have are the, uh, as I said, the financial analysts that are researching and, and, and trending the industry and uh, in many cases making those buy, sell and hold decisions uh, on the stocks of those uh, particular companies that are uh, that are certainly uh, participating in the manufacturing space, both from a supplier and, and, and user perspective. So we give those companies, you know, we call them advisory services, which are, uh, you know, you know, you know, a, a year long subscription to have analyst access and get a whole bunch of uh, of written deliverables uh, sent their way and then uh, have uh, multiple um, we call forums or, uh, you know, essentially user groups where we get a groups of people to, to speak uh, and present their technology um, that we, we, we locate throughout the world. Obviously, this year was uh, is virtual forums, but we hope to re return to live forums in the future. We do things like technology evaluations, uh, supply, you know, selection services for technology. We write a lot of market reports. Uh, you know, how big is the uh, DCS market? How fast is it growing? Uh, 
you know, what's the outlook for that market? And we probably have about 100 of those reports uh, based on a variety of different uh, solutions and technologies in both hardware and software uh, for industry infrastructure and, and smart cities. And uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, analysts like myself that uh, certainly uh, do a lot of uh, consult consulting services and, and working with uh, some of our great clients uh, such as Baker Hughes. Thank you for that explanation. Tons of good information and resources available through ARC for our listeners. So, you know, I do recommend check it out if you're not already. Um, thank you so much. This has been such a great session. I think, you know, we've gone through all of the questions, but this has been really helpful information and I think this will resonate with listeners. So can't thank you and ARC enough for, for your time here today. Thank you so much, Michelle. Great to be here and uh, hope to uh, hope to have a future podcast with you. Thanks, me too. All right, have a great day. Thank you. Thanks everyone for joining me for today's episode of Interactive Control where we went over how data analytics and other recent technology trends are impacting industrial control applications. We at Nexus Controls hope you found this discussion helpful. If so, please subscribe to our podcast and tell all your control friends about us. You may also want to check out our website at nexuscontrols.com, where you can learn more about how we can help you with your data analytic needs. I would also encourage you to check out ARC's website and the resources available there. Lastly, don't forget the title of this podcast is Interactive Control for a Reason. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover that we haven't yet, please send me a message over LinkedIn or email, and we'll do our best to cover it in a future episode. Thanks again, and bye for now.